0: Welcome, everyone, to Season 2 of Andy Here's the 80s. This season, we're taking some deep dives into the 80s catalogs of different artists uh, each episode this season. Uh, these are artists where the 80s were either the bulk of their work or their most influential decade or just an important part of their careers. Uh, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Aaron Keck. How you doing, Aaron?
1: Hello. Good to be with you.
0: Thank you. So what better way to kick off the new season than with... The Queen of Pop herself, right? Madonna. First
1: up. I'm actually I'm actually kind of impressed we made it through an entire season without getting to Madonna. This is this is late for us.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, just putting one album in the pop episode didn't really seem to like do her justice, I think. So right. I I think it's kind of almost what one of the inspirations for the season was. Each season here we're gonna do a different artist every episode, and so being able to go through a whole catalog like this I think is a more uh you know it's a fun way to examine the artist specifically rather than just how the music fits into a certain mold, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and this will also and I don't I don't I don't know what you have planned for coming episodes. I know some of the artists that we're going to do and I'm not sure I know all of them, but there are a couple of artists that we did in season 1 that are definitely prolific enough in the '80s that we could go back and do this too. We did Prince, we did Michael Jackson, REM. So some of these, I imagine, will get revisited.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's artists that we that we overlooked. There's artists that I liked hearing last season that I know we can go back to. And then there's some, you know, that I had still never heard of and that sounded like good ones for the season. So it, it'll be fun. Uh, all the different people we're gonna we're gonna do. But uh, first things first, we got to start with Madonna. Uh, one of the most, obviously one of the most successful recording artists of all time, touring artists, songwriters, rock and roll hall of famer, uh, but, mm. but before all that, she was just a young uh, Michiganian with a dream. Is a, You're from Michigan, Aaron, Did, uh, do they do they say uh, Michiganian? Yeah, man?
1: yeah, no, she and I actually have a lot in common. We're both from <laughs> Michigan, you know, other things as well. I could go should, on, but I mean, leave it you know, with, we've got a lot of that? music to get to, so... <laughs>
0: Okay, well, maybe throughout the program you can uh, highlight the similarities. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Born in 1958 in Bay City, Michigan, she was one of six children. Uh, She was born Madonna Louise Ciccone. So Madonna is her birth name uh, and is also the exact same name as her mother, who she was named after. Uh, She studied at the University of Michigan. She was a dance major. And first decided there, that's when she really fell in love with performing, you know, kind of as a dancer, and knew that she wanted to be up on stage, wanted to entertain people, uh, but didn't finish the program. And then at age 20, just said, screw it, I'm going to New York uh, to just basically chase the dream. Uh, There's actually a cool documentary that I watched that just came out in 2019 uh, called Madonna and the Breakfast Club, and that covers that really early Madonna career, basically her moving to New York and becoming what would, what we would then know as Madonna.
1: No, I was going to say, I was just a little surprised. Like she was in a couple of bands before she went solo. And I'm, I'm just, just a little bit surprised that that stuff hasn't been brought back and popularized to a greater degree. I think, you know, some, some artists get famous and then you go back to their earlier stuff and then that stuff gets a lot better mm-hmm. known than it otherwise would be and that hasn't really seemed to happen with Madonna so maybe maybe with the documentary coming out it might.
0: Yeah, and that was kind of the cool thing about it I thought was that it's such a like underrepresented part of her story. You know, Yeah. As soon as she becomes Madonna you know she's the biggest performer in the world and everybody knows her but no, there's not really much on that early part where she's like working with these guys living in this house uh, they actually lived in Queens in like what was a former synagogue that these two guys who were in a band were living in she moves in with them they form this band The Breakfast Club and are kind of playing around New York and really just like any New York performer at that time just like slumming around town trying to get gigs Uh, and then basically booking enough club gigs to start getting noticed kind of as it went on these guys were like teaching her music so she was learning drums she's learning guitar she's learning songwriting Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of transitions away from being a dancer and then as she learns more and more she kind of becomes more of the front woman of this band which the guys are kind of like Mm -hmm. this is kind of our band right i mean it's everybody it's not just you and so then obviously (laughs) broke off started a different band with a couple of the guys from that band would call themselves uh they wanted to go just by madonna but thought that was too controversial it being you know having other associations aside from her name uh so they started calling themselves emmy which was like a nickname she had i think they only did like one or two shows before she got noticed by uh record executives and then signed just as a solo artist
1: yeah should have should have gone with madonna initially they'd still be together
0: yeah exactly <laughs> maybe she could have lumped them in with the with the contract, but. Uh, it's kind of funny, they
1: you know, or not either way. You know. <laughs> right?
0: She she does actually. One of the guys, Stephen Bray, who was in uh, the Breakfast Club and in Emmy, kind of still becomes a collaborator for long into her mm-hmm. career. He's writes songs with her, records with her. So a couple of those connections that were formed back then still, you know, kind of lingered on into her big, you know, the big time.
1: Yeah, and that's actually that's actually another similarity between myself and Madonna. I also had friends earlier in life that remained friends later. So there's (laughs) that. That's that's another one. (laughs) When I was watching that, I I also made I also uh, at one point in my life made a made a conscious decision that being a professional dancer was not for me, and decided to go down a different (laughs) career path. So that's another similarity.
0: Yeah, but don't you sometimes think about what that would have been like if you'd stayed oh, the course? Oh
1: man, well, if, if only, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> you wouldn't be the uh, world-famous touring artist that you are now, but...
1: Uh, that That is definitely true.
0: <laughs> you know, we all have to chase a, a certain dream at
1: one point, you know, you can't follow every road. Still going for it. <laughs> uh,
0: but eventually this, uh, her first kind of breakout single after getting signed... Uh, She works with a local New York DJ named Mark Camus to record a song called Everybody, uh, which she would release as a single in October of 82. uh, And that was kind of the first taste a lot of people got. So let's go ahead and listen to that first single, which ends up on her first album. Uh, This is Everybody. Yeah, that's kind of like a kind of a funky like club dance sound, which kind of the whole first record kind of has to me. But I think the funny thing is hearing this song sounds so New York 80s like it could practically be a talking head song, I think.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, l- real emphasis on the '80s in this one, and we're now we're kind of getting into the the conversation about her debut album, which was named Madonna, and like this entire album from start to finish just has such an early '80s like this this album would not and could not exist in any other time except for the particular year that it was released. And I think we have said that about uh, other albums from the same era where you've got all of these still new instruments, synthesizers and uh Mogues and, and things like that 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 artists are starting to use and they're going all in on this very early eighties sound and this, this initial album by Madonna, like we'll get into the the later eighties stuff uh in a bit and you can see where she evolved very quickly away from this. But this is definitely I think time bound in a way that the the other albums are not.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. It's very much a dance record club record with Mm -hmm. nothing but synthesized sounds on it practically, uh,
1: and very long tracks, like you, yeah. you mentioned, it's a dance album, so this is meant to be played in uh, in a dance club. Hence the the fact that so many of these tracks are five minutes, five and a half, six minutes, six and a half minutes long. But I mean, you compare this album with albums and singles that come out more recently, like today, where they tend to be two and a half, three, maybe three and a half minutes long. And if you hit four minutes, you're really pushing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madonna comes out with this album, and it's one five and a half minute song after another which you know the you know has its says its positives and negatives depending on the song but that is just a supreme level of confidence like you want to be listening to this for the next six minutes i guarantee you you're gonna have a good time
0: yeah it's true that was definitely something that struck me when i was listening to it i was like you know, I'd be four minutes into a song, and I was like, man, this is still going, huh? Like, there's still two minutes left of this.
1: <laughs> Probably not exactly the reaction that you want, as an artist, uh, people to have four minutes in, but yeah, yeah, I had that reaction, too.
0: But certainly, if yeah, if you're out on the dance floor and you're into the song, you you know, having it be that long is a benefit, right? I mean, that keeps you going. It keeps you on the dance floor. And yep. I think a lot of them are pretty successful. Uh, this one... Yeah, her self-titled debut, July of 83, it finally comes out on Sire Records. Uh, Five singles would release from it, including Everybody, uh, Burning Up, Holiday, Lucky Star, and Borderline uh, were all the singles that were released. Um, All, uh, you know, obviously major dance hits, uh, some Mm -hmm. of which, like, um, Holiday, as soon as I heard that, I I almost didn't even register it as a Madonna song before. At this point, it's so ubiquitous, probably, but it's it's funny because that one is one of the ones on here not written by her it was written by uh, curtis hudson and lisa stevens of a disco band called pure energy which totally makes sense because it sounds like a disco song like i would have right if, if i hadn't remembered it or you know if i hadn't heard this i would have guessed it was from a disco song from the 70s not from madonna but it's funny that a couple of these on each album i had i like heard them and said, oh, that is Madonna, I guess. There's a lot of songs on here that were such huge hits that I, just not necessarily paying attention, knew the song but didn't realize who it was from, you know.
1: And there's a couple of songs. Madonna's one of those artists and I think Michael Jackson's another, Prince is another. There's a few kind of key artists from the 80s that this is true of where even if you recognize a song as being a Madonna song. When you're sitting down and you're thinking of, okay, what are the Madonna songs that I'm going to be hearing? Uh, she's got so many that that particular song doesn't even occur to you as, oh yeah, she did that one too. So we, I had a number of moments listening to these four albums where a song came on, I was like, oh yeah, she did do that one too. And I knew it was a Madonna song, but it, there were just so many to keep in mind that that one had, had slipped out of my brand. It's like, oh yeah, that's a great song, and that one, and that one.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. All the singles from these albums, and there are, there are four that we're going to listen to this week that were all from the 80s. There, there are like, strong singles on each one of these albums, that, and then there's also secondary ones that still got tons of airplay. So it's kind of wild.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On this album of the of the five singles most of them honestly i'm not a huge fan of they Mm -hmm. they they do seem kind of dated to me uh the one exception the one i still love and i think this is i don't know if this is a top 10 madonna song for me but definitely like top 15 is borderline uh i think that one really holds up in a way that the other ones don't i'd still love listening to that today yeah
0: that one that one's by far my favorite from the record that's the one Mm -hmm. that i kept coming back to as well uh I even put that in my notes. (laughs) Like, I enjoyed the album overall, but Borderline is definitely my favorite.
1: But Borderline is the good one, yeah. At this point, I think, well, I don't know. If, If Madonna had done this album, and then her second album had just been crap, and then she had just kind of faded off into the off into the ether and been gradually forgotten, like, how many of these songs would still be listened to today? And I'm not sure we'd listen to Lucky Star. I'm not sure we'd listen to Holiday. I think mm-hmm. we would still be listening to Borderline. Maybe not as much. Maybe this is, oh, hey, remember this song, but I think people would still enjoy it today.
0: Yeah. I think Holiday would probably have survived based only on the use in travel commercials that I think uh, probably, yeah, still probably coast on. But... <laughs> A lot of her fame Coincides with The rise of MTV again Which we touched on A little bit last season mm-hmm. um, MTV debuts In August of 81 Like I said This album comes out July of 83 And so the music videos They start releasing For these singles uh, Gather just as much steam As the singles themselves Would on the radio And so by the end of 84 This album's Double platinum uh, But again You know That's something Something that speaks To Her magnetism as an entertainer in general i think if you only heard this album and not had music videos didn't have tours to go along and see you know i don't know i think you almost have to have the whole package to sell madonna you know especially early on
1: yeah yeah or for or for Madonna to stand out in the way that she did, like mm-hmm. "Borderline" is a great song, but there were a lot of great songs that came out in nineteen eighty-three. What makes Madonna stand out is the fact that she is a visual musician as much as she is a, an, an audio musician, and she's great on both levels.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know that dance background too. I think plays into the music videos too. There's dance routines mm-hmm. you pick up in there, dance routines you see on tour. She is becoming the the whole package, right? The the, the triple threat. Uh, but at this point, she was still living in New York. At this point, with her uh, boyfriend uh, John Jellybean Benitez, who also would become a producing partner on the debut album. Uh, he was curiously absent from the documentary, so I don't know what the story is there. But uh, eventually, she uh, gets to work on the follow-up album. Wants to kind of take a little more control over the production. Uh, Warner Brothers doesn't entirely trust her yet but does let her choose uh, her producer and so she goes with Niall Rogers uh, of Chic based basically on his work with David Bowie on Let's Dance which we heard uh, last season
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, so then that leads to uh, her working as well with Stephen Bray her partner from Breakfast Club Uh, they are a writing duo and she she has a writing credit uh, leading up to this next album Uh, she was writing all the songs or at least getting uh, lines in as well. She she didn't have a writing credit on every track before, but on this next one she'll have a writing writing credit, producer credit. She's slowly kind of tweaking uh, her sound and her talents until ultimately uh, Like a Virgin, the second album, comes out in November of 84. Uh, Like a Virgin, of course, the title track would release as a single as well as uh, Material Girl in January of 85, Angel, into the groove uh, dress you up in my love Uh, and let's go ahead I'm going to play that the last one dress you up as the single uh, to highlight from this album and we'll take a
1: listen I like this one
0: So that, that of the singles anyway, you know, like a virgin, all you have to do is say the title, you know, the song. But I think Dress You Up is the one we're listening to it again. That's the one that I was, was getting stuck in my head again from this album.
1: Yeah. I never really listened to... Madonna's albums. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was familiar with the singles uh, and, and nothing more. So this was a really cool project for me to sit down and actually, OK, I'm going to listen to these four albums start to finish. And, and I think in all four cases, it was the first time uh, that I ever had. And one of the things that uh, I thought was super fun, that I had never made this connection before, uh, is that Dress You Up and Material Girl are both on the same album. And they're just such cool companion songs to each other, aren't they? Because Material Mm -hmm. Girl... Takes all of these tropes of love songs and makes them all about money and materialism. Whereas Dress You Up takes all of these tropes about materialism and fashion and the pursuit of acquisitions and stuff and things and turns them around so that we're using the same phrases and tropes and words, but now it's all about uh, romance and relationships and love. They're like, they're just one is the flip side of the other. And I had never even thought of that before.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And it, it is like this, I mean, Madonna and this album and, and her songs do kind of toe the line between that like 80s excess with... Yes. Genuine pop love songs. I think it's, it's yeah, they try. And, to... and
1: with Madonna, it's it's always simultaneously ironic mm-hmm. and very sincere all at the same time. So all of the songs about material excess are very ironic and meant to tweak this kind of 80s mentality. But at the same time, she's 100% all in on that materialistic 80s mentality right so it's both irony and sincerity at the same time and i love that Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's true and and it manages to work in probably a way that not everybody would make work right Mm -hmm. uh the video for material girl is a good one too it's like a diamonds are a girl's best friend parody uh that plays out really well uh and this is when the videos start getting a lot more elaborate too the uh like a virgin is her in like uh Venice riding on gondolas with like a man in a lion mask. It's right. <laughs> very bizarre. But they start getting into those like crazy Michael Jackson-esque uh, elaborate music videos.
1: Just thinking about her videos, she's also got a really de- well-developed sense of cinematic history between the, between the videos that she does and the songs that she writes. Like we'll get to... Uh, where is this is has to be in like a prayer where she does uh, where she does white heat. Uh, no, maybe it's on no, it's on True Blue where she mm-hmm. does white heat, which is an homage to the the Jimmy Cagney movie from the 40s. Mm-hmm. Material Girl, the video is an homage to Marilyn Monroe from the 50s. Obviously, we'll we won't get to Vogue because that's a 1990 song, mm-hmm. but another uh, song where the the lyrics and also the video are kind of harkening back to uh, 40s black and white kind of glamorous Hollywood she knows that really really well
0: yeah totally and I think this album in general works really well I think it's a step forward in a way that uh you know like you had said if this one didn't work maybe she doesn't go, get any more famous but I think this one is enough of a step forward the songs are a little more experimental it's not just a whole dance album uh, she shows more of a range in her vocals I think too uh and i think it's it's something where you start to see her grow right away and the the videos yes. and the album kind of go hand in hand with that what's funny too is this was uh re-released the following year and only then did it have the song into the groove on it which was on the soundtrack to Desperately Seeking Susan which she acted in and then so this song got added retroactively to the uh, to "Like a Virgin," and it's funny because I got all these albums I got from um, from the used record store for anywhere from one to five dollars, and this copy that I got is a pre nineteen eighty four album because it does not have into the groove on it. I didn't even realize that nice. that song was on it at all until I started looking at the videos. I'm like, wait a second. I don't I'm think I did either, because
1: you you've got the you've got the physical album. I just Spotify'd it, and I don't think it I don't think the Spotify version had "Into the Groove" on it either, That's so which bizarre. disappointed me because I knew that that was a song that came out right around this time. And I'm like, where's "Into the Groove"? It wasn't here, but it's kind of here, just not on the the version I was listening to.
0: Yeah, and watching the video, and then I I was like, I recognize this song. That's funny. It's not on an album. And I looked it up, and like, oh well, it was, but just the year <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> They're really weird. Uh, but speaking of desperately seeking Susan, this is kind of around that time uh, Madonna starts acting as well as uh, singing mm-hmm. and touring. Uh, she shoots Susan in nineteen eighty four while recording the album, uh, and then uh, she starts uh, around that time in eighty uh, the year afterwards in eighty five. That's when she meets and starts dating Sean Penn, um, mm-hmm. and they would get married on her birthday in eighty five, which was her twenty seventh birthday. Uh, but then that romance is kind of what inspires her third album, which comes out in June of 1986, uh, which you mentioned Work earlier. it. True Blue. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Uh, but the singles released from that, uh, Live to Tell was kind of a lead single, came out a little bit before the album Papa Don't Preach, a couple of weeks after that. True Blue, and then Open Your Heart, and the final one, La Isla Bonita. Uh, but let's go ahead and listen to Open Your Heart. This is the second track on the album, fourth single. And then we'll talk about the album. I think, I don't know if it's my favorite on the album, but it's probably one of them. I think the whole first half of this is pretty strong. Um, but then the problem, I think the second half of the album, I basically could skip every track.
1: Oh, no, I feel that way about Like a Virgin. I do not feel that way about this. Really? Uh, I think the, the I honestly, I think the only... I think "White Heat" is a little bit of a clunker. That's the that's the third track mm-hmm. on the album, and I think the I think honestly the only thing that makes it a clunker is the like throwing in a random Jimmy Cagney lines <laughs> right. as as part of the song. Like, I don't really get that. The entire rest of the album, some of the songs are better than others, but I was totally on board with every single other song. Uh, on this album, whereas Like a Virgin, I thought uh, like first six songs are all great, and then she starts in on a song called Shooby Doo, which is already not a good title, and the song <laughs> deserves that title, and then the rest of the album after that is like it, did, it just kind of went way down after Dress You Up, and I did not get that from True Blue at all. In fact, I think maybe my favorite song on this album uh, is off of side two it's uh, La Isla Bonita which really? might be yeah I I have always loved that song I think it's fantastic
0: that's funny yeah I, I like I like Papa Don't Preach I like Open Your Heart I, I think the, yes. the samples are kind of corny and white heat but I do like the song still it's uh, okay yeah. Live to Tell is a pretty good ballad I think Live to um, Tell
1: is great yeah
0: Where's the Party is fun but then True Blue, Lies La Bonita, Jimmy Jimmy and Love Makes the World Go Round. I I would I'd stop yeah. listening after where's the party.
1: <laughs> like, I don't, I don't necessarily need to hear Jimmy Jimmy or, or Love <laughs> Makes the World Go Around a whole bunch of times, but I think those are both fine songs and I think uh Lies La Bonita I think is great. True Blue I think is I think is very very good, uh, if not great, close to it. Um I don't know where they would rank uh, among my favorite songs on this album, but I think the second, the second, the the B side of this album holds up as well as the A side to me, uh, in a way that uh, like a virgin doesn't.
0: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, to me, I don't know what it was, but like the the true blue like throwback doo wop sound just did not ring true to me at all. And same with the faux like Caribbean La Bonita song. I don't know something about it i was like like two opposite magnets i don't know when i listen to those songs i've like i bounced away from them immediately maybe but that's that's funny because i do like i actually like the
1: second side of like a virgin uh huh.
0: but so we just i think we just have opposite tastes in some regards
1: we might yeah a uh, fun fact, I I absolutely have a very strong memory. This had to have been 1986 because this is when True Blue came out. So I'm six years old. I'm on vacation with my grandparents uh, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which I think Madonna has been to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So that's another thing we have in common. <laughs> uh-huh. um, my grandma's visiting with uh, a longtime friend of hers, so I'm sitting in the living room as like a six year old just trying to to kill time and I'm flipping through channels and MTV I get on MTV and here is this video for a song called Papa Don't Preach Mm -hmm. by an artist named Madonna I'd never heard the song before, I'd never heard of Madonna before but I'm sitting there listening to it, and it really hit me as this very, very good song, and I liked it instantly. And I still have this weirdly strong memory of having had that experience, and that was the first time I ever, I think I ever, heard Madonna or heard Madonna in a way that I was like, okay, this is what Madonna is. Mm-hmm. Um and that was that was on that was on Papa Don't Preach, which is the, the opening song from this album. So this is also my first, like this version of Madonna in True Blue is my first encounter with Madonna. So maybe I have a soft spot for her for that reason.
0: Maybe, yeah. It's a good video too. Uh, it's, it's a great video, yeah. She has a great like kind of short pixie haircut and uh, Danny Aiello plays her dad. And it, it's a good video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then so two months after true blue which she dedicated to the coolest guy in the universe which is picoli uh she would go on to <laughs> star alongside sean Penn in the movie shanghai surprise uh which was a complete flop and is a i can confirm terrible t- terrible movie
1: <laughs> she's done great movies uh a League of Their Own is one of my favorite movies from the 90s and she's great in it yeah. but yeah she's done a she's done a number of she's done a number of movies that maybe she shouldn't have done. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think
0: honestly she wasn't even the worst part of it. It was a bad script honestly, but then and Sean Penn right. is doing like the weirdest voice the entire movie and I <laughs> it's really it's really bad.
1: She's done a number of movies with either either people that she was currently dating or married to uh, or people that she started dating while working on the movie. So she did Shanghai Surprise with Sean Penn. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the movie she did with Guy Ritchie? Was that Swept Away, if I remember right?
0: Uh, I that's, and that think was, that's right, yeah.
1: I think that's right. That was terrible, too. But then she did Dick Tracy with Warren Beatty, mm-hmm. uh, and that one that one breaks the mold. That one's actually a really good movie, and she's really good in it. So, yeah, that's true. It's just a wide range of, of good or bad With Madonna in movies, I think
0: Yeah, it's true It also says something about me That I've seen Shanghai Surprise But not uh, desperately Seeking <laughs> I wasn't but... going
1: to say anything
0: <laughs> But the, to be fair, there's an episode of the uh, How Did This Get Made podcast Where they talk about it Which is very funny If you like bad movies and podcasts But uh,
1: you, you can You can listen to that podcast episode Without having seen the movie It works
0: I know, but it's always more fun When you suffer along with them, I think
1: i'll take i'll I'll live vicariously (laughs) through you it probably
0: depends on the movie but (laughs) Uh, so anyway she after that she tries to rebound with who's that girl in october uh which is released in august of 87 the following year uh which also kind of flopped i didn't see that one though uh so then she just goes out on tour she tours does a world tour for uh, true blue in 87 and this one is the most elaborate one yet. This is when she starts introducing the costume changes and the big dance numbers, video clips, uh, choreography, stuff like that. Uh, this is kind of when that the big spectacle of her tours starts taking
1: off. Uh, and then, what was a Madonna show like before the big spectacle?
0: I have to imagine. If you watch the video for everybody, this is what I imagine the early shows were. It was literally like <laughs> her in like a denim shirt dancing in front of Christmas lights. Basically, that's what I have to imagine the okay. shows were beforehand. But uh, which probably would have been just as entertaining. But
1: that would have been totally fine. Yeah,
0: <laughs> depending on the venue. But
1: right, right.
0: Uh, then 88's kind of a quiet year She turns 30 uh, She leaves an, uh, Sean Penn at this point uh, And then starts getting into the studio At the end of the year To begin recording what, what would become the fourth album Which is Like a Prayer And that releases in March of 89 uh, The lead single Like a Prayer Released a few weeks earlier Express Yourself comes out next Then Cherish, uh, Oh Father And Dear Jesse are the singles from that I want to highlight uh, "O oh Father, which is the ballad from the record, and then we'll come and talk about the album. Yeah, that one is actually one of my favorites on the album.
1: This one, uh, Oh Father didn't really do it for me. This is another one where, for me, side A is <laughs> is better than side B. And honestly, with this album, which I was really expecting, and again, I'm, I'm listening to this album start to finish for the first time, and so far for me, you know, self-titled debut album was fine, Like a Virgin was better, True Blue was a huge step up. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for Like a Prayer uh, and then I felt it was a bit of a step down from True Blue, but the first two songs off of this album, starting with Like a Prayer and then Express Yourself, like that is a one-two punch like no other album has. Like very, very few albums start with two songs as great as those two. And then after that, it kind of goes downhill for me. But those <laughs> two songs like really stand out. Promise to Try is is one that. Uh, stood out that's the mm-hmm. that's one that she 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 wrote that one uh kind of uh, in response to the death of her mother right like trying yeah. to uh, come to grips with that because that happened when she was very young. Mm-hmm. I had never heard that song before because that never came out as a single, I don't think and that one I think is my favorite of the songs that i that are on these albums that I had never heard before as singles that one stood out as being a really good one but beyond that, like like a prayer, express yourself. 100% on board with that And beyond that, and like, yeah, Cherish is good
0: <laughs> That's funny I I, the, I do, I think For me, this is her strongest album Of the four, I think it is okay. a great One-two punch at the beginning, but I think I think it's a great sequence of tracks I, I like the ballads on it, I like the dance songs I think it's her best Instrumentation, best songwriting I think for me, this is where all the experimentation Starts to click, and where things That for mm. me, kind of diverged In True Blue comes back around to being like a great
1: song now maybe it's just that Like a Prayer and Express Yourself are just such great songs that everything else for me even if it was going to be really good was going to be a step down from those two I don't know I'm trying to I'm looking at the track listing and it's like well that one's good that one's good that one's good mm-hmm. uh, So it's not like it's, it's a good album I just uh, it just didn't live up to the promise of the first eight minutes <laughs>
0: That's, yeah it is definitely I think those two songs are It's obviously the strongest start Probably of any of these Just about But uh, for mm-hmm. me I think it managed to Maintain a little bit more momentum At least uh, to my eyes Than than other ones And I think Yeah I, I, Like Cause Oh Father I mean that was one the one I just played at the top That one For I don't know Some reason that one Really struck me As a like A step forward For it It's a great song about Not just You know Her childhood And her father But all the men In her life really And it, That paired with promise to try i think were two like emotional beats that really worked for me and then yeah keep it together is a fun song spanish eyes i think is a better take than like not not to compare it directly to la isla bonita but if there's two spanish channeling songs then i think this one's the better one and then yes yeah uh and just like prince shows up on this album on on a couple of the tracks which is a fun surprise mm-hmm. too
1: i also it's it's also kind of a fascinating thing and i mean this is this is only one of an infinite number of examples of uh someone comes out with a really sincere expression of uh themselves and like really getting deeply into deeply into personal issues and then the the moral majority comes in and and slams it for being immoral and unchristian but like how mm-hmm. many Like, between Promise to Try and Oh Father, like, these are very deep and meaningful and powerful songs about the relationship between a parent and a child and the child and the parent. There's a lot of, like, very sincere and and traditionalistic values that get manifested over and over again uh, in all of these songs. So the fact that this ends up being like the most controversial album where the moral majority is really coming down hard Mm -hmm. on on Madonna, like that's that's just a little weird. Like, I know they didn't... I can't imagine like jerry falwell is sitting there listening to this album from start to finish i'm sure he got his impression from what people were telling him about it but still like i think had he he might have gotten a different impression
0: yeah that's true i think maybe and maybe that's part of why i like it so much too is that just as another lapsed catholic it really speaks to me i guess but (laughs) maybe that's part of the experience i think when you're just T- told from birth that you're a sinner and you're never gonna be better. Than yeah, f- that, that does Madonna count name.
1: as a lapsed Catholic?
0: I think so, right? I mean, I think
1: does she, she does she lapse so far that she goes all the way back around to being extremely Catholic <laughs> again? Because I feel I like that's know. like a circle.
0: Yeah, I'd have to look probably f- past the eighties to to decide that, but <laughs> but yeah, this this one was probably my favorite of the bunch, and I think. Uh, the one that kind of comes together as to show like it's cool listening to these four in order and seeing the growth from one to the next. And Mm -hmm. uh, this one then leads into uh, she would go on tour the following year in 90 uh, the blonde ambition tour, which there's a cool documentary uh, called Madonna truth or dare that follows uh, that whole tour basically, which kind of serves as a good bookend uh, from the breakfast club documentary seeing how she started Mm -hmm. and then this is like height of madonna she's a huge movie star touring artist doing these huge elaborate tours with all of the these mega hits uh it's a cool not just tour documentary but i think like music documentary in general just to see the production that goes into this and how somebody lives that life you know uh, Is that think,
1: the documentary that was made When she was dating Warren Beatty
0: Yes because he's okay, like just randomly In the background of some things Yeah like in a couple
1: <laughs> of scenes right Yeah, yeah.
0: It's actually really yep. funny because like She comes off stage off of one show And you're like her mic's been cutting off She's like chewing into the audio guy Trying to and the stage manager trying to figure out what's going on They're like hey, you know it happens these frequencies. She's like well I don't know she's just chilling Like tearing into him and Warren Beatty's like Sitting in the back she's like Warren are you going to help me Out here or what <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm just staying out of it and then uh, they eventually like they break up during that documentary too but it's not even like a thing he's just at one point she's getting her you know like vocal cords checked out because she's been sick doing this massive tour and uh, the doctor's like do you want to talk off camera and warren like without missing being is like she never wants to talk off camera she basically wants to live on camera <laughs> like it's pretty wild yeah but it's a good it's a good movie. I think everybody should check it out if you're interested
1: at all. Yeah, definitely. I uh, think it just and- underscores like what a huge star she is and what a huge star, especially she was like in the late 80s, early 90s around that time. Like she was surrounded by so many incredibly famous people. Like you think of all the names that we've mentioned: Warren Beatty, Sean Penn, Prince, Niall Rogers, like all of these people were huge. But when they get when you get into Madonna's circle, like you're not huge anymore because you're standing next to Madonna. Like she's such a star at that point that everyone else just pales in comparison.
0: Yeah, it's true. And and even early on, like the people she's living with and playing with in New York, like some people just have that energy where as soon as they're mm-hmm. in the room, everybody's orbiting around her, you know, like, yep, she had that magnetism uh, right from the beginning where like i'm gonna be a star and everybody around me is gonna help me and we're gonna take me to the top basically she just had that drive yeah. right from the beginning uh and then of course they continue she didn't stop uh, in the 80s she would release 10 more albums uh, throughout the life uh, throughout her life including uh most recently one in 2019 uh, Madame x Uh, And she would act in films like Dick Tracy, like we mentioned, League of Their Own, Vida in 96. Uh, She was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2008. She's still going. I mean, this is a storied career that really the 80s is just kind of the beginning of. So then uh, one thing I want to do each of these episodes, we've gone through all this, uh, all these 80s albums for this artist. I want to go through and pick the one album we'd recommend and then also our top five songs from the whole uh, catalog. Uh, so Aaron, how do you want to
1: do the top five do you want to like count down five four three two one and go back and forth or how do you want to how do you want to make this i kinda, how do you wanna make this exciting
0: i, I kind of cheated and put them in chronological order because i didn't want to pick just an what uh, i couldn't decide which one was my favorite but uh, okay all right so let's do songs first and then we'll because then maybe uh, we might have different picks for both of these but let's do our top five songs and then if we had to just pick okay. one album we'll go with that so why don't we hear your all right. top five first
1: Top five songs, um, I think I've kind of mentioned them all. There are a few, like I had this list of 10. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do I narrow this down to five? So I got to I gotta give honorable mention shout outs to, I've already talked about Borderline, what a great song that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Promise to Try, I really like that one off of Like a Prayer. Uh, Live to Tell from True Blue. Dress you up in my love from Like a Virgin and open your heart, also from True Blue. All of those are great songs. Those are not my top five. Uh, Material mentions. Girl, okay. yeah, those are the honorable mentions. Material Girl uh, from from Like a Virgin, opening opening track off of that. Um, actually, opening track off of three albums. So Material Girl, wow. Papa Don't Preach uh, is is also in my top five. That's the opening track off of True Blue, Like a Prayer. Uh, opening track off of that album, also in my top five. Uh, And then Express Yourself, also from Like a Prayer. And while you may disagree, (laughs) uh, La Isla Bonita is also in my top five. So La Isla Bonita, Papa Don't Preach, Express Yourself, Like a Prayer, Material Girl.
0: Is La Isla Bonita the number one if you had to give it one?
1: It might be, yeah. (laughs) That's so funny.
0: Well, all right. My top five. I'll go. I like I said. I list them in chronological order. Uh, mm-hmm. Borderline first up. That one is definitely a top yeah. five for me. Uh, that's one that I kept going back to. Uh, and then that on this, might
1: be my number six. Uh,
0: on that same album, I went Think of Me. That's one that I every time it came up, I was like, Yeah, this is a great song. It okay. has a good rhythm. It has a good sax solo, which I, it's always great for an '80s song. Uh, and then so here here's my la isla bonita my next favorite off of like a virgin shooby-doo <laughs> that's one of my favorite really songs. yeah
1: really oh man <laughs> every time i came saw up that again. title and i was like oh we're we're in for something not <laughs> that great
0: Because I would listen to them and not really like pay attention to the, the titles for a long time. So then, when I'm starting listening, like pick out ones that are my favorite, that one came up. I was like, "Yeah, this is a song. What's it? Oh, it's just called called 'Shooby doo huh? Okay, I guess that that is the oh, chorus. That's but
1: funny. I think it's a great I, song. I was listening to that. I'm like, man, this one's a little rough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it does start off a little slow, but then I don't know. It just has a good groove to it. It has another good sax solo, which I'm clearly a sucker for, apparently. Uh, and mm. then, I don't know, I just I really dug that one, that was my favorite off of Like a Virgin
1: Alright, alright
0: uh, And then, I don't have any In my top five from True Blue uh, I go Express Yourself And Oh Father Round out the top five for me
1: Okay Did we just agree on one of them?
0: <laughs> we my, yeah, I think Borderline is the only overlap and that's so funny
1: No, we didn't even overlap on that Because that was one of my honorable oh, you're mentions right, it was honorable Express mention. Yourself we agreed on Yeah,
0: you're right Oh, the, that's yeah. funny. The, the um, have you seen the video for that?
1: For express yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: it was. I didn't realize, but it's, first of all, it's directed by David Fincher, uh, who mm. would also direct the um, "Oh Father" video, and then uh, it was funny that I hadn't seen the videos
1: for. He also became any a film these. director later.
0: Yeah, I know, notably, but uh, yeah, he um, or the video for Express Yourself, like I. Th- I could be wrong, but I think it takes place in the same steel mill as the John Waters Simpson episode goes to. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, it's been a while since I've <laughs> seen that video. I'm going to have to go back and watch it yeah. again.
0: That's all I could think about when I, I was I, that video. I,
1: yeah, I get a... I, I, I'm already trying to like envision it in my head. I get a sense of what you're thinking of. Is that also then the same uh, the same factory that the entire film Flashdance takes place in?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they use the same set, I think.
1: Oh, that's also hilarious. I'm on a computer right now. I just did a Google search for Express Yourself, and you know what just came up first? What? NWA.
0: <laughs> that's funny.
1: Another great 80s song called Express Yourself.
0: Yeah, that's true. Express Yourself were batting a 1,000 in the
1: 80s. Apparently, yeah.
0: Uh, all right, so if you had to pick one of these four albums to recommend to people, which one would you go with?
1: Uh, I'm gonna disappoint you. It's it's far and away <laughs> True Blue.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, mine is definitely like a prayer. That's the one that comes together most yeah. for me. But like I think a if Prayer
1: you... is good. Again, like those first two songs are are better than just about anything on True Blue. I think it's I think just start to finish it. Uh, it's the most consistent for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, good. I, I mean, oh I, I my think...
1: God, that is the same steel mill, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> That's all I could think
1: about. Yeah, uh, now it's all I'm going to be able to think about.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think all four of these are definitely worth listening to. Uh, I'm glad that I got all these. Uh, even even True Blue, I think it's still it's part of the story.
1: Uh, yeah, that's great. I'm not even paying attention to you anymore. I'm just watching this <laughs> uh, this which, this thing unfold.
0: That's the power of our music videos, you know. That's what catapulted our to <laughs> <them>, really. <laughs>
1: This is also the one opportunity I have. Again, we're doing this for the '80s, and "Vogue" is a '90s song. Uh, but since Madonna is such a such an iconic figure uh, with regard to music videos, mm-hmm. uh, I have to I have to take this opportunity to announce my theory that literally every music video ever made is improved if you put the music if you put the video on mute uh and play it to the tune of vogue (laughs) okay i believe that just just try it it works for just about anything (laughs) including possibly express yourself
0: i want to try it with the uh november rain video when Slash runs uh, out of the November
1: church. rain is good. <laughs> uh the those Sia videos with the little girl dancing, Vogue syncs up really well with those. <laughs> okay. Um Childish Gambino videos also sync up really well with Vogue in very uh disturbing ways.
0: <laughs> I could see that. It's funny, that one that that's another one I think that was just on a soundtrack. It wasn't even on like her next proper album, I think.
1: Yeah, no. Uh yeah, I think you're right.
0: Because it also shows up in that uh, in that tour documentary. Cause they, it so it had been out, it must have come out in '90 probably, but because they were playing it on that tour.
1: And, yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. So that basically wraps up Madonna's story for the 1980s, and that adds four more records to my collection. Uh, next week, we're going to hit one of the artists that we touched on last season. We are going to go through. Uh, the albums of The Replacements, one of the ones that I liked the most uh, from last season. And so now we're going to go through, hit all of their albums. Uh, all of their albums were released in the 80s except for their final one. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to hit all the ones except for that. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about their their uh, last album of the 80s uh, was re-released just recently at, in the end of 2019. Uh, and completely remastered as well and re-remixed. Uh, so we're going to talk about all those albums. So we're going to talk about uh, the new Dead Man's Pop collection uh, that came out as well. Uh, and that'll be next week, or maybe not next week. We'll awesome. do, I'll see how frequently I'm putting these up. But the next <laughs> episode uh, will be the replacement. Next episode. Yeah.
1: In, a, in the not-too-distant future.
0: mm mm-hmm. uh, So thank you, Aaron, for joining me. Thank you uh, to Madonna for the wonderful music. Uh, thank you to everyone out there listening. And remember, it's never too late to hear great music that is new to you. So I'll see you next time. See yeah. Thanks for listening to Andy Here's the 80s. If you haven't done so already, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast service you use. Show notes for this episode, along with some mini-reviews for the two documentaries I mentioned during the show, can be found at acton.wordpress.com. That's actn.wordpress.com. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, feedback, you can send me an email at the 80s at gmail.com. That's 80s spelled out, E-I-G-H-T-I-E-S at gmail.com. Or hit me up on Twitter at AndyHearsIt. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.